just keep being you. Welcome to the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Horlbogen. I'm on a mission to foster civility, respect, and integrity with a dash of sartorial elegance in the boardroom and beyond. And I invite you to join me on my quest. Never have to be like anybody else cause you're my favorite person when you're being yourself. A true original right from the start, straight from the heart, a great work of art, you stand apart. Welcome to the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Horlbogen. I'm on a mission to foster civility, respect, and integrity in the boardroom and beyond. And I invite you to join me on my quest. Welcome back, everyone, to part two of episode seven, All Voices Will Be Heard with workplace bullying expert Linda Crockett. As I've been saying all week and all month, October is National Bullying Prevention Month, and this week, October 18 through 24, is Freedom from Workplace Bullies Week in the United States and Workplace Bullying Awareness Week in Canada. So I lined up great guests to share with you on the podcast this month, and uh, today I have the second part of my interview with Linda Crockett. So just a little bit about Linda Uh, She is a certified trauma therapist and social worker with 32 years of experience in her profession. After experiencing workplace bullying and receiving a diagnosis of PTSD as a result, she discovered there were no resources available to people suffering from this workplace abuse. Linda then completed her master's degree specializing in this area and became a longstanding member of the International Association of Workplace Bullying and Harassment. She is also a proud alumni of the Workplace, Workplace <laughs> Bullying Institute in the USA. In 2010, she pioneered the first full-service Workplace Bullying Resource Center in Canada. Linda offers services from consults to assessments, training for leaders and staff, advocacy, and coaching. On the private practice side of her business, Linda provides specialized treatment for those who are harmed and a special specialized rehab program for those doing the harming. Her philosophy is that we must provide education and treatment for all parties or we will never fully resolve this abuse. Linda has lobbied for changes in policies, legislation, and with this now obtained in Alberta, Canada, she is working on establishing standards for investigations relating to workplace psychological harassment or psychological violence. So today's episode is uh, just a fantastic follow-up from the, from part one. Uh, we dig deep into a lot of um, really interesting questions, including at the end, I ask Linda if she still gets bullied, and you're going to be a little bit shocked at that at her answer. Pretty interesting. So um, hang on for just a second, and I will be bringing Linda back for part two of All Voices Will Be Heard on the Gentlewoman Boss podcast. You're the person that can facilitate that and get in there and dig in there and work those muscles and go through that catharsis, and they come out so much better, so much happier, so much 
less anxious, right? They get their life back. And then their their targets get their life back too. It's a win-win. That's right. That's okay. right. Okay, next question. Are we ready to move on? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Um, what are, and I know you have actually a seminar coming up about this soon. What are common mistakes that contact professionals make when addressing these cases? And do you want to kind of explain who falls into that category? Um, contact professionals are usually the first people that, that um, targets go to, you know, um, for questioning or support. So that could be your union, that could be your um, occupational health and safety, it could be your human resource person or a mediator, if a lot of companies tend to want to use mediation, which is not advisable if there's an injury, by the way. So a contact professor or professional would be one of them, an investigator or uh, insurance companies, or even we would hope that some doctors and nurses and other treating professionals would, would join this one as well. So it's, the, it's your first responses when somebody's coming to you uh, for example, if I'm a target and I'm, a I'm, I'm terrified that you're not going to believe me, my nervous system is way overwhelmed, I'm scared nobody's ever validating me, the last thing you want to say to people is, oh, you're too sensitive, you know, or, or you know, just, just go do your job, or, you know, if you don't like your job, leave. These first comments are, are really hurt and create more problems. Mm -hmm. So we need to educate contact professionals on trauma and give them some trauma-informed skills and help them understand the injury. The injury a, a target sustains can sometimes leave them looking like they are the problem mm -hmm. because we are, you know, we are emotionally overwhelmed. We are, depression can often show up as agitation or anger and patience and tolerance and so can anxiety. Mm -hmm. So we want to explain the injury and what the, that looks like and how comments can harm more or how comments can actually really help a person survive and, and, and recovery uh, is shorter. A lot, some of the mistakes that we're seeing being made like by insurance companies are, we're denying your claim because this is bullying. We don't deal with bullying. Well, that's not true. This is depression. This is adjustment disorder. This is anxiety disorder. This is rumination. This is insomnia. There's there's all kinds of diagnoses. Mm. But some of these contact professionals are saying things like that. Get back to work. This is just bullying. Yeah. Very wrong. I I would get. Oh, that's just how she is. Mm -hmm. Even from yeah. the chairman. Oh, that's just how she is. That's she's, true. She's passionate. Yeah. She's passionate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that's but, right. And I think don't rock the boat, Michelle. Oh, <laughs> that. Don't poke the bear. Don't yeah. rock the boat. You keep a low profile. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till my book comes out. Um, so you so basically the 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 initial key role of the contact professional is whether you think this person's crazy, it's all in their head, they're being oversensitive, doesn't matter. You need to create that safe box of a safe haven for them initially and then take the the correct steps. Mm -hmm. to make sure their voice is heard and protect them, right? However that is. If you understand psychological harassment, if you fully understand psychological harassment, psychological violence, if you fully understand the psychological injury, you're going to change those responses to, you know, I didn't see it happen, but something bad has happened to you and I want to make sure it doesn't happen again. Now I've just validated you and I didn't even witness it, right? But I've validated that you're going through something tough. Right. That will bring a nervous system down so fast 
It just calmed me down hearing you say that. (laughs) Right. You want a place that's safe, that is going to be non-judgmental, that's going to be knowledgeable, and it's going to validate you, and then it's going to offer you some valid direction and guidance. So that's their role at that point when the target comes forward, which takes a lot of courage. We know that. And bravery and facing the fear of the unknown when you, when you make that big step for help. And if you're a contact professional, you have a responsibility and an obligation ethically and professionally to gain as much knowledge in this area as you can, because we do not want to risk causing a secondary injury. Mm. Yeah. And that is also, again, keeping your um, doctors involved in what's happening in your head or in your body at that point, right? That's right. What are common mistakes that HR or others make when assessing or investigating these cases? Well, I think we covered a good part of that, but one of them is that you really need to take training. You need to be accountable and ethical and take the training. Don't just suddenly do an investigation. Just because you've been trained to do investigations doesn't mean you've been trained to do a psychological harassment um, training. And that should be including trauma-informed skills. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, a lot of HR people are doing investigations when there's, when there's even the slightest risk of bias, you should not be doing it. <clears throat> you want to create safety for the participants, for the employees that are involved. You want to create safety and trust. And if you're going to do an investigation when you've not been trained, or you might be friends with one of the people, mm-hmm. you have just heightened the fear and, and damaged the trust, and you're wasting your money. Because it's not going to it's not going to solve the problem. So you need to be ethical enough to hire a third party investigator that is not your friend. That's <laughs> neutral. Know, that's that completely the training, and there's absolutely no risk of, of bias. I say to people, give your your employees three choices. Empower them whenever you can. Give them three choices of investigators to select from. Let them have a voice. Let them have some power. You know, just don't constantly tell them what they're going to do next. Give them some choices. Right. So really hear them, really inform them, but make sure you're qualified to do what you're doing. Right. Because a lot of, many times, internal investigations are just another layer of the cover-up of what's really going on in the organization. I mean, that's exactly what I went through. It's like, I didn't even get an investigation. I got a phone call and wasn't even allowed back in my office, like, to get my stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. um I think the third, the, the neutral third party being involved, you know, invited in, welcomed in. Um, and if, if anyone that can make those key decisions is not willing to embrace that as an option, they're hiding something or they know exactly what their culture is and they don't want to be exposed. So that's their own selfish agenda. Take surpassing the need of the employee. So yeah, well, yeah. see, that's one of my issues right now. We've just started a, a task group to talk about investigations because I, I truly believe there needs to be standards established. Um, with more awareness over the last 12 years, we're seeing more and more investigators and we're seeing mistakes. And we need, we need these investigators to be trained to do psychological harassment cases. And as I was saying, but some of the mistakes I'm seeing are our employers, you'll see a very poor investigation, but the employers will not let the employee appeal. There's no process. They have to accept it. And yet it's a very contaminated, poorly done investigation. 
Yeah. And this person has to accept the outcome when it's when it's absolutely way off base. I've seen a couple of really good people being accused of bullying and the investigation substantiated and there's absolutely no information, no evidence of, to substantiate it. Mm-hmm. And then I see cases where there's lots of evidence and they're unsubstantiated. So we've got a problem. We need to establish some standards for the investigation. Yeah. And I know you, you recently um, put out a tweet about board governance and when a decision is made or not made which is usually not that it leans toward that um handling or addressing these issues in the workplace in a nonprofit, right who's the board held accountable to if the executive director is is allowing a culture like that and then the board knows it's happening is aware of it gets feedback from you know through the grapevine and they don't do their due diligence who do they answer to Exactly. That culture is never going to change ever, unless like, that's another whole podcast. Wow. Maybe I'll have you back. We'll talk about that. And I'm glad we are talking about it because that's really not been discussed. And that's why I've been posting it. I've seen so many mistakes made because the chairman of the board is good friends with the executive director and they're one of them are the problem and they cover it up and they, they don't uh, follow through. And I've recently seen one board member take it upon himself to create an investigation, do the investigation, and then give his outcome without anybody's permission or anything. And one of the people he's investigated was his close family member. Wow. Just imagine all the layers of contamination right there. And that just cannot happen. Wow. But isn't it, so you're saying he wanted to figure out what's going on, even at the cost of his relationship with this relative? Oh, no, he completely took it because he wanted to protect his relationship. Oh, oh, I misunderstood. Okay, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, yeah well, mm, <laughs> we're definitely going to have another episode on the nonprofit and boards. Okay. Absolutely. I'm inviting you back. Okay, let me stick back, get back to my, um, our doctors, all right, how's your timeline, by the I'm way? Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, are doctors, therapists, or insurance companies making mistakes on managing these issues too? You know, for the most part, I'm seeing a lot of improvement, but yes, some are making mistakes. So I'll just talk to those some that are making mistakes. Okay. For example, a doctor not knowing very much about this injury or even about legislation. If they don't know about the injury, they should know legislation. And so that's part of my teaching letters that I send doctors. So some of them are saying, you know, get back to work. Or they're sending them back way too soon. Or they're just giving the wrong doc, doc information on the forms that they're filling out for workers' compensation boards or insurance companies. And some therapists are also making mistakes. As I said, I saw several. You know, cognitive behavioral therapy is not the best therapy to use right off the bat with mm-hmm. these types of cases. And I think that's probably one of the most popular treatment modalities is cognitive behavior. But that's we don't want to start telling employees that your thinking is wrong. You need to look at it this way. How about look at it that way? That's not going to work right off the bat. You need safety, validation. You need information. And you need a place to know that you've been believed. That takes a little longer to establish with your clients. And again, insurance companies are making mistakes too. They're very judgment. Some of them mm-hmm. are very judgmental, very opinionated. They don't know what they're talking about. And they're sending it and they're refusing and denying cases. Mm-hmm. And then they have to appeal and appeal and appeal to get corrected. So we need all insurance companies trained. That's what we're doing with this contact professional training that we have. We need all 
case managers, adjudicators, and investigators train mm-hmm. for insurance companies. So yeah, we're still seeing mistakes. Yeah, I think like, you know, one of the things I've tried to do my whole life, um, when I don't understand something, or I feel like someone's exaggerating, or, or even not being really honest, I try to put myself in their shoes. So if an insurance adjuster reads a case of obvious workplace abuse, and is by the letter of the law saying this doesn't fall into a category we cover that we're going to pay for, put yourself in that person's shoes, pretend that was your boss or your, your superior or your director treating you like that, or treating your best buddy at work like that, you wouldn't have like, it's almost like you need that empathy that can like, put yourself in their shoes. Would you want help? Would you want the time off? You know, would you want the help you need to get through this? And I think it's, it's also like the disengagement thing at work. People just go in, they punch in, they do their job. And there's like, they have no room for the humanity side of it, right? Like they're just an adjuster and they're, yep, no, yes, no, approved, not approved. Take a minute and really read what you're reading and speak <laughs> up, say something, say, let's figure out a way we can help these people. I mean, I don't know. No, actually, Michelle, that was beautifully said. I really appreciate that. One of the mistakes that they made on my case when I went on insurance because I was on sick leave was to deny me sick benefits because I refused to take antidepressants. Now, that should be a choice that I get to make. Absolutely. If I, if I want to take antidepressants or not, but they denied me because I said, no, I don't want them. Hmm. I had to run around for, I think it was probably three months trying to build my case with the psychiatric, psychiatrist to write a report, doctor to write a report, psychologist to write a report before they overturned that, that um, decision and allowed me to have my benefits. Which just That's adds more choice. stress and anxiety to what you're already oh, going through. Incredibly so. Now, now I'm terrified I'm going to lose my house, terrified I'm going to lose, you know, not be able to pay my bills, sleepless nights. You've just now exasperated my injury. And, and you know, insurance companies don't want to make those mistakes. And even if you are depressed, which at that point, I'm sure you were, I mean, there's only so much you can take pumping yourself up on drugs. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking them. I understand the need for them, but if you want the clarity of feeling what you're feeling and thinking what you're thinking to get through that process without being medicated, that's your choice. That should not be, that's like stinking Stalinist, like drug them up or, you know, like it's almost like you can't force people. That's wrong. You're, you were, that's not their choice to make, I guess. Well, they should have to, they should be responsible for the recovery. Absolutely. So there needs to be a treatment plan and there needs to be evidence that they're following a treatment plan. You can't just go on sick leave and not do treatment. Right. I should have the choice of whether it's going to take you an antidepressant or not. In my case, I was allergic to all of them, too mm-hmm. sensitive. It made me sick. I was willing to try, right. but they just made me sick and I chose not to. So I, I should have that right as long as I'm following a treatment plan. And do they, do they, I don't know a lot about it. Do they embrace like holistic treatment for these things that come with this? Or is that not even covered by insurance? I don't even know. It depends on where you are and what, you know, what, what, what hospital, what doctor, everybody's different. Okay. I, I see more openness to looking at natural ways. Mm-hmm. And I did see a naturopath and have my naturopath communicate with my doctor. And so I think that's becoming more open, mm-hmm. but it's still not accepted in a lot of areas. Yeah. Yeah, that needs to be, because, you know, again, it's everyone's, our health is our 
our choice, our responsibility. Um, so Linda, now that more people are talking about workplace bullying, are you see, seeing things improve or are you seeing more mistakes being made or both? <laughs> you know, I, it, it's, it's both sides. I'm seeing some improvements, absolutely. I'm seeing more people train on this topic. Uh, this used to be a taboo topic. I brought stuff up on LinkedIn 10 years ago that people would not like and people would not you know, engage in. I saw that happen for years. And now all of a sudden people are engaging and risking and talking and there's more people training. There's more services, more HR people taking, uh, going into private practice. So we're seeing improvements there. Even with Workers' Compensation Board, they're doing a lot better. Um, perfect, no, but a lot, lot better. Mm -hmm. There's more services available. But on the flip side of that, I'm also seeing people, you know, talk about bullying from their own wounded perspective and giving information out there, labeling and, and act and speaking as if they're experts, but they're coming from a very wounded place. Mm -hmm. And that can be very confusing for other people. But you make a statement, you need to make sure that it's research-based, it's evidence-based, or that, you know, you've had some hands-on work experience in this area. So I'm seeing some mistakes being made that way. Mm -hmm. And as I had said before, you know, investigators not trained, HR is not trained, you know, that's the kind of mistakes we're seeing. So yeah. uh, Pat Ferris in Calgary and I have put together two part webinar, one for contact professionals. And the second part is for treating professionals. Because, you know, we're not the only ones in the world doing it. So I can only speak to us, but we're trying to make improvements out there. And like I said, I'm also trying to work with a team for uh, investigations. There's another group of people trying to work on nonprofits. So as long as these groups keep showing up to, to take different aspects, because it's vast, mm. um, we're going to keep seeing improvements. Yeah, it does seem daunting sometimes. And I have to speak to what you said, because I know, especially early on, I would vent a lot about everything. And it probably wasn't that professional, I know. Or... Um, putting my potential career prospects at risk for talking, speaking out. But so I tried to get a little more serious and professional, but then I realized this is like all in or nothing from, from my viewpoint, because I can either say nothing, not comment, not post, not share source material. Like I'm all in or not in because all in means I am probably most definitely shutting off a lot of options for a future career in anything because I'm going to be considered a whistleblower. I'm going to be someone that's too opinionated or speaks out. But what's the alternative? If what I put out there can help or what I share, because most of what I have very little original content. I just find stuff and I put it out there and I share it. You need to read this. If the, so if that helps one person, I don't know, I'll make masks the rest of my life. I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost like I need to, I, and that is, that is a dilemma that anyone that goes through this as far as publicly addressing it does have to consider there, there is a, a price, a cost. Um, and that's only your decision to make. We can't, you know, but the fact that this momentum is building and the changes are being made and, and there's work toward legislation and laws, like you said, in a Alberta, you, you never thought, is it Alberta? Did I say yeah. that? Yeah. You never thought you'd see that. And there you have it now. So 
there's a momentum building and I think there's, there's strength in numbers. We all know that. And, um, like yeah. I said, the big picture, our children, your children, your grandchildren, what kind of work world will they be engaged in? Right. We hope a better one, a more fair one for sure. And, and you put that really well. The momentum has been building for more than longer than most people realize. This has been going on for 20, 20, 30 years. You know, the research has been available. Services have been available. Most people don't know there's a residential treatment program for people who suffered workplace bullying in Germany. Mm -hmm. And there's a day program in Norway. And when I found that out, I thought I got to start a treatment center here in, in Canada. And that is the way of our future. This topic, this issue is not going away. It is getting worse. And we're seeing more suicides, homicides, and deaths related to this abuse. So we need to get on board with the changes that are coming. Yeah. And I think we, um, social media is a very, you know, so many mixed opinions about it. But the one thing it has done is given a voice to like your cause, to your work, because we have celebrities speaking up and speaking out against this kind of thing. And we have, um, we have big name companies and organizations out there that are literally being exposed. That would, that would never have happened without social media, right? Because it, the word will get out. The Ellen DeGeneres show, the away luggage company, um, the recording Academy, these, yeah. you know, without those brave people, right. That it could be just a secretary that works in an office that finally has enough and says something. But if a celebrity hears about it and they have some contact to that company or organization or mission and they take it up, woo, it's like, it's all over the place. That's and that right. is something organizations have to be aware of. It's like yeah. reputational risk is huge. That's right. You no. Know? Yeah. And, um, hold your, hold yourself accountable, hold your team accountable, be proactive protect your organization because it's that momentum's walk talk yeah yeah walk the talk practice what you preach if you've got policies and procedures in place of zero tolerance then you better walk your talk because your employees are watching you and if you're not following through why would they so you as leaders you set the tone of a work environment what tone do you want that to be yep and you know earlier you said something important that i went through and took years to process whether I was going to be somebody who represented the corporation or was I somebody who was just going to represent the employee. And I decided I needed to give a voice to all sides, you know, and not show a bias on all sides. I mean, I can be 100% for one, but I need to have a service that gives it to all. And, you know, whoever you hire to come and train for you, you need to look at their backgrounds. Because if you hire a police officer, they're going to have a more criminal background. If you hire a teacher, if you hire a, a doctor, it'd be more medical. If you hire a therapist like me, you're going to get a full holistic perspective. So you need to decide what level of learning do you want your employees to have? Mm -hmm. There's an awful lot of employers out there that, that put them on a one-hour webinar and check the box, okay, we met our obligation. But you're not investing in change if you do that. No, no. And you have to be... I think a, a key quality for leaders, especially right now with everything going on, you have to be humble. You have to be willing to say something is broken here and we need help or I need help and I can't fix it. Or my team, this is, we're in over our head. We need a professional like you to come in and assess and work with people. And that's hard for some people. I mean, to me that, that if someone can't do that, they're, really, they're not, no, a, I've worked with yeah. 
Go ahead. I've worked with some of those organizations that are 100% in, and they are fantastic to work with. They implement the changes immediately, and they mean it. They're very sincere. And, and I just want to give your, your listeners, yes, there are employers like that. And there are other employers that I know they're just, that I'm in there just for them to check a box. Mm-hmm. but they still asked me to come in. So I work hard to create some change in their perspective and teach them about, you know, in depth on this issue. And I do see changes happen in some of the most roughest workplaces. I've seen them buy, buy into this change, like construction, you know, where they're yeah. really don't, you know, they've learned to, to have some really bad language and really insult each other. And their teasing is way over the way line. Beyond, yeah. You know, it's it's a, in the field, right? what's acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what helps people restore, repair or recover and move on with their lives? What do you say is the biggest thing? The Gentlewoman Boss podcast has been named top 20 best month reporting podcasts of 2021 by Welp Magazine, number 36 of 200 in Top Entrepreneurship Podcasts by Podchaser, and Top 20 Best Whistleblower Podcasts for 2021 by CastBox Media. For sponsorship opportunities, please visit our website at thegentlewomanboss.com. Oh, the biggest thing. That's well, like- I shouldn't. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> let me narrow it down. Just elaborate. <laughs> Well, there's, there's a lot to say there, but see somebody. Don't go through this alone. Avoid isolating because that's what your bully wants. Learn about bullying, but you need to pace yourself. Sometimes you need to disconnect completely. There are some of my clients that I tell them to get out of town, you know, take a flight, go away, disconnect from your phone, your computer, your email, the material, your, your writing of your investigation, get out of town and take a good nervous system break mm-hmm. go sit on a beach because they're ruminating so much they can't get a break right they need to calm down off of that yeah they kind of get obsessed sometimes they get a little paranoid sometimes mm-hmm. that's what this abuse does to people yes it does so connect a bit so see somebody see a professional get to your doctor do some self-care mm-hmm. how would you treat your daughter or your son if they went through this how would you treat your sister or your brother you would give them all kinds of self-care advice well listen to your own advice you know we tend to eat badly sleep badly forget to listen to music forget to paint forget to garden we, we stop doing all that self-care stuff when we're totally stressed out and that's the opposite of what we should do we need to sleep right we need might, we might need medication we might learn need to learn meditation Mm-hmm. to calm our nervous system down meditation is one of the best practices mm-hmm. to get left brain right brain body and mind back on board and we need all four systems to deal with this you know so yoga meditation um take a class that calms your nervous system mm-hmm. that might be painting get back to singing i don't know what it is you do but get back to those things because mm-hmm. you need to be able to cope with that so see a counselor a therapist you know, see your doctor, uh, have somebody help you stay in, in, in mind for your own self-care. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent advice. Like you said, it is hard to do when you're, what did you call it? Ruminating? Oh, that's, that's, yeah, we get stuck in ruminating. Oh, it was, and verbally ruminating. And then your family's like, shut up. 
up. You know, it's not, not really. They feel bad. It's just, we can't stop the loop. It's, it's actually a scary place to be. And I'm not there. I'm not there anymore, but it was, I felt like I would never not be running that loop. I really did. Yeah. Because you're trying to find, you're trying to make sense of it. It doesn't make any sense in it. You know, and you're trying to, it's like you you just have to get to the point like you've said it's not acceptable and it's not okay and And that's okay you know what you'll never understand that thinking you'll never have that type of thinking pattern brain you can't get into their heads to figure it out I know we all want to know why Mm -hmm. and there's lots of reasons why you can see that article that Janice and I wrote on my website why me read that but sometimes there is no answer for that they're just Mm -hmm. sick and you can't Stop trying to figure out why, you know, how they think. We we know it doesn't have to happen. We know there's answers. We know there's solutions. We know all that. But if that other, if the perpetrator's not there, you can't fix. We're just little tiny people and we're trying to fight fight these mountains. Mm. And that's how we get stuck in rumination. Yeah. And I think you have to get to the point that you're not going to get the apology you feel you deserve you're not or the explanation and once you accept that right like we have to figure out the situation to move on we have to find a place to make peace with it leave it where it is because the longer it dominates our thoughts our heart our emotions our our gut everything that but we're letting that bully this is how I look at it I'm letting the bullying she's still bullying me so no more I see some of my clients who haven't been around their bully in years yet. And it sounds like the bully's sitting right on the couch beside them because they're so stuck in that place and we need mm-hmm. to get them unhooked. That's why I say, get out of town. You need to be unhooked. You know, some of that stinking thinking makes you sick. You know, and I, I say you're bullying, you're bullying yourself right now. Yeah. With stinking thinking. <laughs> I love that. The stinking thinking. Stop the stinking thinking. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, This one's a little personal, Linda, but um, as an anti-bullying specialist, do you still get bullied? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I have been bullied on the internet, and I call the internet an abyss of weaponry if somebody wants to hurt you. And, uh, you know, we know all about cyberbullying. So, yes, on LinkedIn, actually, I was cyberbullied by someone. Uh, And that was, I knew how to deal with that. It didn't impact me too much. I knew how to deal with that. But yes, I've actually been bullied by other people that I've, I've ended up working with in this field. Um, sometimes, yeah, I have. And it's been painful, I have to say. Mm-hmm. I recognize it a lot faster, obviously. Um, I, I'm going to get out of it faster. Uh, the injury, it recovers faster. But this is the last place I expected to, to deal with some toxic people. You know, so- I did work with a narcissist for quite a while there and and ended up in a bit of a, a place of self-doubt for my for me uh, and I had to go back to all my work and, and, and really assess where I was at and realize what I was dealing with was that insidious manipulation of a narcissist and got out of that really quick good for you good. <laughs> yeah good for you so what do you what do you is that is it is it that competitiveness that is maybe inbred in certain personality types that even in a field like you are pioneering and that you're to help people that are targets that, that it can still happen. Like what, this isn't one of my prepared questions for you, but like, 
what drives that still, it's almost like hypocritical, but what, what pushes a certain personality? Is it the competitiveness? Is it a success? Well, again, I think it's a, a very big, you know, a lack of insight, you know, a lack of ability to really go deep inside here and have that moral connection. Um, mm -hmm. Some people just really love the, the ego trip of performing in front of people and training people and, and putting on a big show rather than really looking at everybody in the audience mm -hmm. and connecting with that human and, and being part of the human experience. Some people just want to perform and, and, and look really good at what they're talking about and sound really good at what they're talking about. Right. But emotionally connecting to it is a different thing. Totally you know? different. So, you know, I worked with this person. Um, I did make mistakes. I'm human. We all make mistakes. You know, we're, I don't know everything. So I could make mistakes, but that person would constantly remind me of those mistakes and constantly overspeak and over overtake things that I was doing. Hmm. And I just had to back out of there really quickly. So it still happens. That's how we talk about how insidious this abuse is and how it works in every profession. It happens. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter how well you speak up. Over time, this will take down the strongest people you know, right? So that, that assumption and myth about the target being weak or not being able to speak up for themselves. I've heard people in my profession say, well, I would never let anybody bully me. And I think to myself, uh-oh, you're in trouble because you don't see this coming. You don't even know it's happening until you're kind of injured. So it's not about all the people that walk through my door. Let me tell you, they're very educated and they're very vocal. Mm -hmm. But again, this is a thousand cuts over time. It'll take any man or woman down. Absolutely. And you don't know it until yeah. it's too late. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a message in that, that um, no one's really immune to it or no, no sector, no field, no mission can, is going to be spared 100% from the possibility of bullying happening for whatever, people's insecurities, jealousy, competitiveness, ego trip. The usual symptoms, right? Um, what has been the most difficult part of the journey, this journey that you've been on, Linda? I think, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's sections. In the beginning, the difficult part was not having a mentor or a group or a team of people because some of these cases are very painful. You know, they, they pull up my own heartstrings. They're just horrid nightmares. And so it, it would have been nice to have a team of people that could have, we could have done peer support consults. We could have had, I always wanted a team of different professions. So that we sat at a table to discuss a couple of cases of what to, what was best next. Cause I think we have to help people have strategies. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, that was really tough. And the next part was trying to find people to work with me. And like you said, it's all or nothing. And I need people that are fully committed because some people just wanted me to hand over work and they wanted to make money, but they didn't want to do the work, you know? So I was always, I was frequently disappointed because you really need to commit to hard work. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to hand things over to you. And so, you know, they let me down and, and it was readjusting again to that. And I finally got to the place where I just, I just can't find people that I can completely commit to this and, and uh, to do the work. And I think the last part was, is, is, feeling hurt by these people that I thought were really there committed to do the work. I felt disappointed because I get so excited about working with people and having a team yeah. Yeah. and just to be let down. So there's tough stuff here and it can be competitive. 
Um, I don't like the competitive nature. Mm-hmm. I just want to help people mm-hmm. and I want to help people get better at helping people. Right. Yeah. Right. Pass it on. Right. Pass it on. Um, I think it's probably from what you've shared, it can be a lonely space sometime for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of us work in sort of like a silo, right? So we're on our own around the world. And uh, I have tried many times to connect different groups and the workplace bullying awareness week. I've been trying for the last two years to make that worldwide because we need to be sharing with each other and helping each other. This is a worldwide issue and mm-hmm. we need a worldwide solution. And so to try and combat some of that loneliness, I feel I've reached out to many people around the world mm-hmm. trying to collaborate and connect. Well, I, I think um, what, to what you just said about work, the week, next week is the bullying. Well, this is bullying prevention month, but then next week in Canada, in, the, in North America is a specific week devoted to that, which is why I fearfully asked you to be my guest this week so I could have it ready to drop the podcast next week you know sort of to share your insights with people during a week where there's a lot of eyes on the topic right and I agree with you 100% the more countries that can continents whatever can can create that awareness like we have Alzheimer's awareness I believe that's international like if just it would give everyone sort of that common goal to really focus on having that week or that month with phenomenal content that can be made available to the public. I mean, some things we have to charge for. I mean, some of us, that's how you would make a living, but then what can we generate for, get that discussion going, get, um, I don't know. I just, I do. I feel like that's, I agree with you that there's a, a need for solidarity with that. And then because movements that are on that level, get the attention of the people that can affect change. You know, we're, we're the well, there's power in numbers, yeah, right? Absolutely. There's power in numbers. And I mean, there's times when groups of employees from one organization come to me, sit at the table to discuss the strategy of a group bringing abuse forward. And I see the effect that that has on an employer. Like they address it immediately when there's a group of people, there's power in numbers. Imagine worldwide. You know, and look at the progress we have made over the last decade just with domestic violence and sexual assault. Mm. Now we're announcing it. We have commercials. We have resources. We have posters. We have days that we we bring awareness to domestic violence and sexual assault. And we've changed a lot of that shame that occurs in that abuse. Right. We need to take workplace bullying out of the closet and do the same thing. Absolutely. I agree. I agree 100 percent. Um, as far as in your career, this, this, um, career that was waiting for you that you didn't know was your calling and that you're in now, um, what has been the most rewarding part of it? Well, I have really come out of my shell. Um, I have, you know, that passion we talked about being able to speak in front of crowds and on online like this, but also the seeing people, um, that present like they're they're so suicidal and they're so fragmented and fractured and, and helpless. Men and women watching that transformation, whether they're the target bystander or perpetrator, has been the most amazing experience for me because there has not been a resource like this and it's saving lives. It really is saving lives. We've had to put people in the hospital and we've seen them survive. You know, so uh, watching people survive this and, and even become 
you know, people that get involved in this work, that's been so rewarding. Yeah. It's been worth every blood, sweat, and tear <laughs> experience. <laughs> yeah. Saving a life. Um, and I'm sure you probably save more than one. That's, you can't, it doesn't get more rewarding like that. The, more rewarding than that. Excuse me. That's unbelievable. All yeah. your hard work paying off. So Miss Linda, what is next? Oh, I feel very fortunate. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you, yeah, you're like, that's the blessing for me, but you're the blessing for those (laughs) candidates that get to work with you. So what's next for you, Linda? What's on the horizon? Well, the focus on the webinars is going to be really important, changing some of the systems, right? Because I talked about the internal and external systems being, creating more betrayal. So we're, I'm looking at the systems now, trying to train insurance companies, train doctors, train mediators, train investigators. I'm also looking, as I said, about the task for investigations and any investigators out there that want to join, just email me because we want to try and establish some standards. Mm-hmm. So the, and the treatment, you know, next year I want to start a support group and I want to create a model for a support group, a psychoeducational support group. So I'm going to focus a lot more on the, tr- on the treatment and recovery piece for all three employees at the same time, work on the systems and, and create improve those gaps mm-hmm. that exist you're going to be a busy lady always have been <laughs> busier busier right don't say that <laughs> <laughs> well it's been phenomenal um to hear you're just you are just such a wealth of information and expertise and compassion for people it's just incredible um and i really hope that this podcast gets out there and whether you are a target if you if you target people if you see it in your organization happening and you don't know what to do you need to contact Linda Crockett and she will help you find a way through it oh well, one more question Linda so this is something I ask all my podcast guests at the end um what quality of a gentlewoman or gentlemen, do you feel is most important to emulate and why? I think the most important quality is to to emulate is empathy. And I think empathy is so important. We don't have have to experience something in order to understand it. If we can just learn what is the difference between empathy, sympathy, and compassion, we'll have far more skills to offer people out in the world. So empathy is is just the, the skill of reaching inside to try and find something that you can relate to that that person is going through. Mm -hmm. So if you've suffered a loss, you'll connect with that feeling and you'll be right there with that person and really understand it. You won't try to fix it. You won't try to minimize it. You'll just say, Oh, I've been there. I get it. That's enough. I think empathy is a really powerful skill for any leader or any staff member to I agree with you 100%. And I, you are not the first guest that chose that word. And which is so telling to me, because I pick the best guests for my podcast. <laughs> I do. I have amazing people that have agreed to come on and share. Um, and I think in 2020, it is sorely lacking in every level of society. So focusing, starting your day, coming from a place of empathy can make, can be a day changer, a week changer, a month changer on every level at home. We're all at home with our families. 
way more than we're used to. Yeah. Our kids are stuck in their bedrooms going to college. I mean, my poor kid, you know, we just, we have to stop and put ourselves in their shoes and just be tender with them and gentle and patient. So that's a great way to end this amazing segment. Thank you so much for your time, Linda. Thank you for being such a great host, Michelle. Oh, it was great. And I do want to have you back to talk about nonprofits and boards of directors. So we'll, okay. we'll let this wave run and then I'll, we'll set that up. Okay. Okay. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Gentlewoman Boss podcast. Don't forget to download my show so you can listen whenever and wherever you'd like. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a second and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps with ratings and distribution. Thank you so much. As always, if you'd like to share your story or if you have a question you'd like answered or on an upcoming episode of the show, you can visit my website or send me a DM on any of my social media platforms. Find and follow me at Gentlewoman Boss. If you prefer to watch podcasts rather than just listen to the audio version, my episodes are uploaded on my YouTube channel in video format as well. Click subscribe and when new episodes drop, they'll show up in your feed. Super easy. So until next time, remember, always choose to be the gentlewoman or gentleman in the room. And I'll see you soon for the next episode of the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast.